Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. Praise God. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody near you and say, God is good. Now turn to somebody else, make it personal, say, God has been good to me. God has been good to me. Amen. Amen. It is so good to be with you all this evening. I was thinking on our way up here, I don't remember the last time I had been to Calvary on a Wednesday night. It might have been 15 plus years. I don't know. If there was was one more recent than that, I, I do not remember it. But it is good to be with you all. I hope you had wonderful 4th of July holiday. My family and I just uh, had a few days. We figured we'd come up here and just relax and spend time with family and get to see all of you tonight. Special treat. All right. Thank you all for being in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Glad to have my family with me and uh, just good to be with everybody tonight. Uh, You can stand real quick if you would like. Uh, We're going to go to the book of Daniel. Read one verse of scripture very quickly, book of Daniel. I'll try not to hold you too long, but it is a in-depth subject we're going to talk about tonight. Okay. I'm going to try something new here in a second. Is this on? Do I need to hit the power button? Is it on already? Okay, awesome. All right. Daniel chapter 9, we are going to read verse 24. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. When you've got it, say, I've got it. If you still need a minute, say, wait. I think I heard one. All right. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel is one of the, uh, the five major prophets. He's classified as a major prophet. This is chapter 9, verse 24. If you've got it, read it with me. It says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now, that's a mouthful right there. All right. All right, and so we are going to talk tonight on this subject. I call it understanding the end times. Understanding the end times. As a subtitle, you could also call it Daniel's 70 Weeks. Understanding the end times, subtitle, Daniel's 70 Weeks. And you may be seated. In just a moment, we have a handout we're going to get to you. So if you have a pen or pencil or you want to grab one, you may want to take some notes. Uh, You'll probably want your Bible out if you have that. And you may also want to have a calculator. No joke. You may want to have a calculator. Have you ever had a preacher say that from the pulpit? You might want a calculator for this message, and I think you'll see why. We're going to look at the end times. Now, I know your pastor 
has taught on the end times a lot. I remember as a, as a kid growing up, being in Sunday school class, but I remember Sunday mornings back at the old building, I remember he would teach on the book of Revelation, and I, I would hear different bits and pieces. Had no idea about all of that stuff until uh, I, I got older. I, uh, I studied this several years ago, got into the end time study a little bit, but not, not too much. And then it was two or three years ago that it really just hit me. And I just, I guess it was the Lord prompting me to do it. And I just began to study an extensive study on the end times. And I still don't think I have all the answers, but I think I have some of them. I think I have, I think I have some, and uh, I want to share with you uh, some things that the Word of the Lord shows us. Now, if you've studied the end time, you will know that the Bible contains a vast amount of material referring to the end time, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We typically think of end time is the book of Revelation, but there's, there's literally hundreds of scriptures in the New Testament alone outside of the book of Revelation that talk about the end times. Jesus taught on it extensively. And then the Old Testament as well tells us about it. Okay, So if you want to understand it, if you want to understand the sequence of events and what the Lord is showing us in his word, you have to look at really all of it. Right? I've, I see a lot of people that jump to conclusions because they'll look at one scripture, but it's like putting a puzzle together. You've got to get all the pieces and they all have to fit correctly. Okay, And I would submit to you that the passage in Daniel that we're going to study here in Daniel chapter 9 this is the most significant, most important piece of Scripture that will help you understand and unlock all of the information regarding the end time. All right? How many have put together an old-fashioned puzzle? Let me see your hand. If you put together just a good old-fashioned puzzle, right? Okay? Now, if there's a better way to do it than this, y'all, if you're an expert, you can tell me, but... I've found the best way to put together a puzzle is try to get the outside first, okay? Now, if you can find the corner pieces, if you can find those four corner pieces, that's a really, really important part. And then you can construct the frame, the outside, and then everything else has to fit inside that, right? Gives you something to work towards. Okay, so when talking about the end times, this passage in Daniel is the foundation or the framework. So any understanding that you, that you get regarding the end times has to fit within this passage because as we're going to see, Daniel receives some very specific, very uh, concrete information regarding the end time. Okay? We all right? Everybody say Bible class. All right, it's Wednesday night. I'll try to have you out of here before 10 o'clock. I am joking. I actually, my pastor just uh, a few days ago, he told me, I don't know when it was in the past few years, but uh, it was before we came to the church we were at. He said they had an evangelist come who told them when he got up to preach that he would, he, I think he said two hours, he was going to preach two hours, and everybody laughed like you just did, but he was serious. Uh, and my pastor was not happy about it because, yeah, he, he just took a long time. I won't take that long, okay? I will not. 
so I, I am joking. But, uh, well, also because I haven't had dinner yet, and uh, so I really like teaching this subject, but I haven't had dinner yet, so we're going to see if the flesh wins tonight or, or if the spirit wins. We'll, we'll see. All right, so here we go. We're in Daniel chapter 9. Now, if you got your Bible, what you want to do is just kind of follow along with me. I'm going to try to move quickly. At the very beginning of Daniel chapter 9, I'll just read a couple verses here. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, verse 2, 9 verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years where, whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Everybody say Jeremiah. Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So here's what he just said. The prophet Jeremiah preceded Daniel. Now, Jeremiah knew he was a prophet because the Lord told him. It's recorded in the scriptures. The Lord told Jeremiah, I've ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. And so everybody knew that Jeremiah's writings were prophetic. They were from the Lord. I don't know that Daniel knew he was a prophet. Uh, I can't find, and if somebody knows where it is, you can tell me, but I can't find where the Lord appeared to Daniel and said, I've ordained you a prophet. But we know he was. The Lord spoke to him very prophetically. So Daniel is after Jeremiah. He, he's later. And the nation of Israel is in captivity. The uh, nation of Babylon has captured them, basically enslaved them. And Daniel is reading Jeremiah's words. And he says here that in reading what Jeremiah wrote, he realizes that the captivity of the nation of Israel is coming to an end. Because Jeremiah said it would be 70 years. So Daniel reads this and he realizes, okay, we're coming to the end of the captivity that the Lord promised through Jeremiah. All right? And so Daniel begins to pray. Daniel realized, this is just a side note, Daniel realized that when God makes a promise, that doesn't mean we just sit idly or passively by. We, we should get involved in seeking the Lord, in seeking his face, and participating with God through prayer. That's the first step. So Daniel knew this. So Daniel reads the promise and the prophecy, and he begins to pray. Now, I won't take time to read it all, but if you look at verses 4 through 19, Daniel is praying for his nation. His people have sinned. They've been in captivity. And so he's praying for them, knowing that God is going to restore them. Then in verse 20, this is where it gets interesting. Look down at verse 20. So Daniel's praying, and he says, And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, verse 21, Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel. Who's heard of Gabriel? Who is Gabriel? What is Gabriel? He's an angel. He's, he's called a man right here, but we know Gabriel is an angel. So he said, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. That's the time of the evening sacrifice. That's all that is. And he, that is Gabriel, informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, 
I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. Everybody say understanding. So Gabriel is going to give Daniel some understanding. Verse 23, at the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand, there's that word again, understand the matter and consider the vision. Daniel was not seeking this revelation. Daniel simply was praying, petitioning the Lord. He was focused on his people right now at at his present time, the captivity, the problem they were in. But God chose, because Daniel was a man of God, a man of prayer, and a man of the word, because he was reading the word, God chose to send an angel to visit him and not just give him something about that present time, but to give him a revelation concerning the far distant future, times ahead of even where we are right now. God chose to give the man Daniel the revelation of the end time and how things are going to occur. And so that brings us to verse 24 that we read just a moment ago. Let's read it one more time. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. This is the angel telling Daniel. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. Who's his people? Israel. Israel. Everybody say it loud. Israel. The Jews, Daniel's people, the angel said, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. What is the holy city? Jerusalem. So this prophecy is about the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. So upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins. Let's number these. Let's see. Finish the transgression make an end of sins, make reconciliation for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. I counted six. Anybody count with me? It's a lot of different things there. Now, I'm not going to take the time to break all of that down, but basically here it is. The angel told Daniel, these events are going to lead to the end of human history. All of this stuff, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up vision and prophecy. No more vision, no more prophecy. It won't be needed. To make an end of sins, to finish the transgression. I don't have time to explain it all, but the angel is telling him, this concerns the final end of human history as you know it. All right? Pretty significant. Is everybody still awake? All right? Everybody still here? Okay. I'll check on you every now and then. Okay. Now, in verse 25, the angel continues to give some information. He says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troubles, uh, troublous times. That's a King James word. That's a mouthful. Let's go ahead. Um, you know what? Pastor Father, could you, uh, as I'm finishing reading this, could we get those handouts? Because we're about to need them. Otherwise, I'm going to lose everybody. (laughs) I said you might need a calculator. Let me read verse 26 and 27 real quick. 
After threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Last verse, 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined, shall be poured upon the desolate. Anybody have a clue what's going on? If you studied it, you do. If, if not, especially if you're reading King James. This is King James, and this is a mouthful. We're going to break it all down, okay? All right? Hopefully it will make some more sense by the time we're done. Now, the King James uses uh, the term score. That's the old English word for 20. So if it says three score, that's three times 20, which is 60. Okay? So I'm not going to use those, those terms. I'm just going to give you the straight-out numbers. But just if you're studying that, that's where we get some of these numbers. If you have a modern translation, they will just go ahead and give you the numbers. Uh, so, for example, verse 26 says after three score in two weeks, that's 62 weeks. You have a modern translation, it will show you that. Okay, so you have a timeline on your handout, and Brother Terry, could we go ahead and put that on the screen? I did not create this, I found this online. This fits the interpretation that I believe uh, the Bible teaches. If you search for this on Google or just online, you may find variations of this because some people interpret it differently. Um, I have studied it extensively. I believe this is correct. All right. And I probably don't have time to fully prove it tonight, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the best that I can in the time that I have. Okay. So everybody got the handout. Now you may, you may need to get the calculator ready and you may need that pen or pencil. The angel said, the angel told him in verse 25. From the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. Okay, let me stop here real quick. Everybody say week. Now, we think of a week as seven days. In here, it is not seven days. It is seven years. So when he uses the term week, he's not talking about seven days. He's talking about seven years, okay? So that's why this topic is called Daniel's 70 weeks, but it's weeks of years. So here's where you can use the calculator if you're not good at mental math. What is 70 years times seven? 70 times seven. 490. 490. So there are, the angel told him, there are 490 years. When these 490 years are up, that is the end. At the end of 490 years, everything is done. That's, that's the prophecy, okay? But it's not as straightforward as, as it would seem. Okay, let me try this. Do I just, ah, okay. It works. I have never done this before, so I'm going to have a little bit of fun here. Okay, 
let me walk you through this. The angel said there's going to be, right here, seven weeks, which is seven times seven is how much? Forty-nine. The angel said when the decree goes forth to rebuild, let me read that real quick. That's verse 25. When the decree goes forth to restore and to build Jerusalem, okay, there's going to be 49 years, okay, seven weeks. Now, this happens in the book of Nehemiah, all right? I'm not going to take time to go there, but in Nehemiah, they are given the decree to go back and rebuild the city, rebuild the temple, okay? Now, so seven weeks of years from that time, 449 years, to complete the rebuilding of Jerusalem, all right? Then the angel said, from that time, that was seven weeks, right? Seven weeks, which is 49 years. Then there's going to be 62 weeks. What's 62 times seven? Y'all don't know you're coming to math class tonight, did you? Okay. What's 62 times seven? Should be 434. Is that right? Okay. So we have Seven weeks, which is 49 years, and then we have 62 weeks, which is 434 years. What is that time right there? That 62 weeks, that 434, is until Messiah the Prince comes. Who is the Messiah? Jesus. So the angel said, when the decree goes forth to rebuild Jerusalem, there's going to be 49 years. From that time... There will be another 434 years until the Messiah shows up. Okay? So let me go over that one more time. 49 years after Artaxerxes gives the decree to Nehemiah to rebuild Jerusalem, because the city had been destroyed, right? They had been destroyed. In Nehemiah's time, they get the decree to go rebuild it. From that time, there's 49 years. And then at the end of those 49 years, there's an additional 434 years until Jesus Christ, the Messiah, shows up. All right? Are you with me so far? We okay? Now, he also talks about Messiah, the prince, being cut off. That's when he was executed. That is the cross. Okay? All this was prophesied. So you know the, the Messiah is prophesied all throughout the Old Testament. Here's, here's just one of several, okay? For reference, if you're taking notes, the command to rebuild Jerusalem is recorded in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, the prophecy began. That was when the decree went forth to rebuild Jerusalem. Jerusalem was finished 49 years later. All right? Now, this is interesting. The Messiah is prophesied over and over again in the Old Testament. There is no reason that the nation of Israel should have missed his coming. All right? The angel actually gave Daniel a year they could have calculated the exact year that he would show up. Now, scholars have determined, and again, it's, it varies a little bit, but scholars have determined that you can almost calculate the year that Jesus Christ presented himself. Now, I am going to read some scripture in the New Testament real quick. When did Jesus present himself to the nation? 
officially. Not when he was born, because he was a baby. He couldn't present himself then. There is one recorded event while Jesus walked the earth. There's one time where he specifically arranged for himself to be presented as the king, as who they were expecting, the king of kings, to receive glory and honor. That is the event that we call Palm Sunday. All right? Every year we have Easter. That's when he was crucified, when he rose again. A week prior to that is Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday, if you look at the scriptures that record that, Jesus told his disciples to go get the donkey, to go prepare it, and he rode the donkey into Jerusalem. That was the entrance of a king. And he expected the nation to know on that day, because of this prophecy and many others, he expected his people to know, and he held them responsible for understanding that he was their Messiah. They had no excuse he presented himself as their king, as the Messiah, and they still rejected him. That's why he was cut off or executed. So let me read this to you real quick. If you're taking notes, it's Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. Luke 19, 41 through 44. This is after Jesus rides through Jerusalem on the donkey on Palm Sunday. This is what Jesus said, or this is what it says. Verse 41, And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, he's talking about the city of Jerusalem. Jesus says, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace... But now they are hid from thine eyes. Verse 43. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side. Verse 44. And shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another. Because, here it is. Because thou knewest not. Everybody say, thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Jesus said you were supposed to know that this was your time of visitation. When your Messiah comes to you, because of Daniel's prophecy and because of many others, Jesus said you're supposed to know the time of your visitation, but you didn't know it, and now there's going to be consequences. He says things are going to be hid from your eyes. And then he talks about other destruction. What he's talking about, if you study history, in verse 43 and 44, the temple of Jerusalem was destroyed again in around 70 A.D. Okay? That's, that's history books. The, the city of Jerusalem was besieged and the uh, temple was destroyed. That's 70 A.D., that's what Jesus is talking about specifically in verse 43 and 44. But in general, he said, things are going to be hid from your eyes. That's why the Apostle Paul teaches in his epistles that Israel was blinded because they rejected truth. 
when the Lord Jesus Christ, truth embodied, came to them and they rejected him, it produced blindness. Paul said they are going to be made blind and they, they eventually will be saved. I don't have time to go into it, but if you read, uh, I believe it's in Romans, Paul talks about this. Eventually, the nation of Israel will be saved. That hasn't happened yet because they're still, 2,000 years later, they are still as a whole blind because of this, because they rejected the Messiah when he came. All right? Is everybody okay? So here we are. When this happened, Palm Sunday, and then they crucified him, they rejected him and crucified him. Up till this point, now this is where it gets interesting, so stay with me. Up till this point, God's entire focus had been on Israel. From Abraham on, it's Israel, the Jews, Israel. Those are his chosen people, right? The whole Old Testament, regardless of their sin, their backsliding, his eye and his focus is still on Israel. But at this point, on the day that they rejected their Messiah and crucified him, now God stops the clock and he turns his attention elsewhere, okay? So this answers a question you might have. If the angel said 490 years total, all right, let's go back to our calculator. Right here we had 49 years plus 434 years. That should equal 483. Has everybody got that? Okay, and that's on your handout. 483 years divided by 7, that is 69 weeks of years. Everybody got that? 483 divided by 7 should equal 69. Is that right? That's what it says. I don't have my calculator. Okay. How many weeks did the angel say total? 70. The subtitle of this message tonight is 70 weeks. Daniel's 70 weeks. So when Jesus Christ came from from the decree to rebuild Jerusalem until the, until the time that Messiah was cut off, that is executed, that was 69 weeks of years, or 483 years. At that time, when Israel rejected their Messiah, it's like God stopped the clock. Because you're like, it's been a lot more than 490 years since then. What happened is, when they rejected their Messiah, God stopped the clock His focus is not on Israel now. Now his focus, for the rest of the New Testament, what is the focus of God? It's the Gentiles, and specifically, the church. The church, it's us. He turned his attention to the Gentiles. Now, And Paul, oh, I wish I had time. I don't have time. Paul talks about this, how that because Israel rejected their Messiah, it opened the way for us now we can have salvation, and God actually planned it that way all along. He knew that, that they would reject their Messiah, and so he chose to extend salvation to the entire world. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. So at year 483, the end of the 69th week, he stopped the clock. How many years are left? Now, there's one week there's 69 weeks, there's one week, but how many years is one week? Seven. There are seven years left. Okay, so now, like Brother Brent, are you saying there's seven years? To, no, here, here's where it is. When God restarts the clock, 
The clock is stopped. It's like a stopwatch. God stopped the clock. When he restarts it, there are seven years until what we know as the Battle of Armageddon, the end of everything. Those seven years, the last seven years, Daniel's 70th week, are what people typically call the Great Tribulation. Who's heard of the Great Tribulation? Okay? Those are the last seven years. That's what's left on the clock. When those years are done, it's over. Okay? The, the last week, Daniel's 70th week, is what we know as the Great Tribulation. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. Oh, oh I wish I had more time. Oh, my goodness. Can I read something for you real quick? This is, this is if you don't get anything else, this is, this is just some of the best part. I, w- I want to read you real quick what Paul, some of Paul's writing regarding this. It's in the book of Ephesians. You can write this down. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. I won't read all of it. Let me jump in here. Let me just start at verse 4. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4. Paul says, Whereby, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed. Everybody say now. It's now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This is something the Old Testament prophets didn't know about, Paul said. In other ages, this was not known, but now it is revealed. What is he talking about? Verse 6. Verse 6. What is it? Here it is. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Paul said, this is the mystery. Daniel didn't know this. The Old Testament prophets didn't know this. But God knew it, and it was revealed in the New Testament to the apostles and the prophets of the New Covenant that the Gentiles were going to be fellow heirs. The Gentiles could receive salvation just like the Jews used to. That was a mystery. Everybody say mystery. All right? In fact, let's skip down to verse 9 where he uses that word. Verse 9. Paul says, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, everybody say now, now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church. Everybody say the church. The church is going to make known the manifold wisdom of God, verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Hallelujah. The church, God chose that the church would now reveal the manifold wisdom of God to principalities and powers, that spiritual forces in heavenly places. This is all a mystery in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, we are a part of what they were looking forward to and didn't quite understand what it was. Hallelujah. That's so cool. It's so powerful. Aren't you thankful? Mm. Praise God. Praise God. All right. I think I see the runway. We're going to try to land this thing in just a little bit. Let's go back to Daniel. Okay? Let's talk about the last week. So here it is. 
We are in, on your handout, it shows an unrevealed gap of time. The prophetic time clock has stopped when Jesus Christ was crucified. This unrevealed gap of time, this is the church age. We don't know how long it is, but this is the church age that we are living in right now. All right? When this age, when this gap of time comes to an end and the clock restarts, there are seven years until the Messiah returns in power. Let's look at that. Daniel 9, go back to Daniel chapter 9. Let's look at verse 26. Daniel 9, verse 26, says, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. In other words, he didn't die for himself. He died to save others. And the people of the prince that shall come. Everybody say prince. Messiah is one prince, the true prince. Now the angel mentions another prince. The people of the prince that shall come. That's not Jesus. That's another prince. That's who we would call the Antichrist. The true prince is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The other prince, this other prince, is the Antichrist. The people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Okay? Again, that happened already in around A.D. 70, if I remember. Now, I'm not going to go into this, but if you're going to do some homework, here you go. If you want to have an idea about who the Antichrist might be, you need to discover who were the people that destroyed Jerusalem in A.D. 70. Whoever it was, whoever those people were in A.D. 70, or around there, that destroyed Jerusalem, the Antichrist will be of those people. That's what the angel said. The people of the prince that shall come, the people of the Antichrist. He is going to be of these people. Those people will come and destroy the city and the sanctuary, which they already did. All right? Now, last verse, verse 27. And he, now this is still talking about the Antichrist. This is the other prince. Verse 27. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. How long is one week here? Not seven days, but seven years. Okay, now this, this is where it, it all points to this right here. If you haven't been paying attention, pay attention right here. The Antichrist, the false prince, will confirm a covenant with many. Now that word many is not just a general uh, noun there. It's In the original language, it's a specific people. Some translations will say the many. It's talking about the Jews. So the Antichrist is going to confirm a covenant with the Jewish people, with the nation of Israel for one week, which is seven years. The Antichrist will enter into a covenant or a treaty for seven years. Okay? In the midst of the week, that's in the middle of seven years. What's, what's uh, seven divided by two? Three and a half. Three and a half years after he makes this covenant, 
He will cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. Okay, let's break that down. Basically, Jesus talks about this in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, I believe. He calls it the abomination of desolation. Anybody read that? Jesus calls it the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel. What that is, basically the Antichrist is going to enter into a treaty for seven years with the nation of Israel. But halfway through those seven years, he's essentially going to show his true colors. He's going to break the covenant, and he is going to set himself up in some way as God. He is in some way, and you get this from the New Testament, the Antichrist Three and a half years into the treaty, he is going to demand worship. He is going to set himself up as God. He's going to cause their sacrifices to cease. He's going to show his true colors. That's when the real tribulation begins. Okay? From what we can tell, when we talk about the great tribulation, it's actually not the full seven years. It's the last three and a half. When the Antichrist breaks covenant, that's when the real tribulation begins. Okay, And that's when all that stuff you read, or not, I won't say all, but a lot of what you read about in Revelation, that's when this begins to happen. Okay? So here we go. The Antichrist, this is the final review. Antichrist makes covenant with Israel. Halfway through, he breaks the covenant. He demands worship for himself. And then three and a half years later, that is when Jesus Christ is going to return. That's when the battle of Armageddon takes place. He destroys the Antichrist. All of the accomplishments that the angel told Daniel in Daniel 9:24, that's when everything is completed and put to rest. It's all done when he comes back, when Jesus Christ comes back to win the final battle. Okay? So, everybody okay? All right? Now, let me take just a few minutes here. There's so much. There's so much here. Oh, my goodness. And I can give you, I don't want to take time to read all these scriptures. I could give you some more. But Lord, where do we want to go from here? Some people ask this, when is the rapture? Let's talk about that real quick because that's what everybody wants to know. When is the rapture? Well, what did Jesus say about the rapture? He said nobody knows. Okay? Nobody knows. Jesus said it multiple times. No man knows the day or the hour. So we don't know when the rapture is going to be. Now, some of you may hold this particular belief that I'm going to talk about. Uh, well, let's, let's just go through it real quick. People say, well, is the rapture pre-tribulation? Is it in the middle of the tribulation, or is it at the end? Is it before the seven years? Is it in the middle of the seven years? Is it at the end? I believe 100% based on the Old and New Testament, the rapture of the church happens before the Antichrist comes to power. So you say, Brother Edwards, what do you believe? I, I, I believe pre-tribulation. Here's one reason why. 
the, the angel gave Daniel specific number of years. So here's the deal. Whoever is on earth and sees the Antichrist come to power and enter into a covenant with Israel, anybody on the planet at that time, based on what the angel told Daniel, can begin a countdown of seven years. Jesus Christ is returning in what we call the second coming. He is returning the second time, or the, the last time, at the end of those seven years. So if the rapture is at the end, we have a problem. Because if the Antichrist comes to power on, let's say, April the 25th, uh, we've already passed that. Let's say, what's today? Let's say the Antichrist comes to power on July the 6th, 2023. That means Jesus Christ is coming back on July the 6th, 2030. Seven years. Okay? There's a problem with that. Jesus said, nobody knows when I'm returning. He's talking about the rapture. So the rapture has to happen before the Antichrist comes to power. Or else that makes Jesus a liar. Because the word has to harmonize. The, what the angel told Daniel is true. There's seven years. And what Jesus said, nobody knows when I'm returning, what's he talking about? He's talking about the rapture. And it has to happen before the Antichrist comes to power. You also get that from 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians, let me read that real quick. Uh, let's see. Actually, I don't know if I have that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Second cha excuse me, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's look at that real quick. Almost done. Almost done. Where do we want to start here? Let's just start in verse 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. That ye be not so soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Paul is writing to the church. They thought they might have missed the rapture. Paul said, don't be worried. You have not missed the rapture. So in verse 3, he continues, verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Whoso exalteth himself, who, sorry, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's the Antichrist. All right? Verse 5, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Verse 6, And now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Verse 8. And then. Everybody say then. Then shall that wicked be revealed. Okay. Let's stop there. Because we're almost out of time. Verse 7. This is King James. King James, you have, to, you have to get modern translation to really get what he's saying. Only he who now letteth will let. That's Old English. The word let has changed. Now, if I say I let you do it, that means I allowed it. In, in this time period, in, when the King James was translated, it meant the opposite. That word let means to forbid or to withhold, to not allow. 
So Paul said, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. In other words, there is a force in the earth that prevents the Antichrist from taking power. Until that force is taken out of the way, the Antichrist cannot come to power. What force is powerful enough to stop the Antichrist? The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. Where is the Spirit of God? Where is he most prominent and most manifested? In us. In us. Now, that's what some people say. Well, that verse can't talk about the church because the church is always uh, mentioned in the feminine. The church is called a she. That's right. So it's talking about the Spirit of God within the church because you have a problem. When the Spirit of God is taken out of the earth, who goes with it? The church. That is the rapture. When God removes his spirit that he poured out on the day of Pentecost, when he removes it from the earth, the people who have it, according to Paul, go with it. That's what we call the rapture. It takes the spirit of Christ. That is the Holy Ghost. That's why you've got to have the Holy Ghost because that's what's going to take you out of here. When God says it's time, he's removing his spirit from the whole planet. And if you've got it, you're going out with it. Hallelujah. Anybody got that spirit in you tonight? Praise God. Praise God. If you don't, you can have it before you leave. Hallelujah. So you need the gift of the Holy Ghost. You need the spirit of God. Because when that last trumpet sounds, he's calling us home. He's taking us out of here. And then the Antichrist can come to power because there's no more restriction. And then the Antichrist comes to power. The clock restarts, seven years, and then it's all over. Oh, and by the way, at the end of those seven years, Jesus Christ comes back to win the final battle. The Old Testament says his, he comes back with his saints. So we go up, and then when the seven years are over, when he comes back, we come riding back with him. Whew, hallelujah. Praise God. I'm looking forward to that. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I don't have time to go into it. There are scriptures that talk about the suffering of the church. There is going to be some suffering before the rapture. I, don't, I could teach you a whole other hour about that, but I don't think you want to be here that long. So maybe I can come back and do a part two. Before the rapture, there is going to be some persecution. All right? And I believe it was Lee Stone King said it this way. Persecution, which will happen before the rapture. We're already seeing it. If, you, if you're not noticing it, open your eyes, look at the media, look at the way the world's going. Since 2020 especially, it has ramped up. It's not getting any better. Before, before that last trumpet sounds, we've got a job to do. The world is going to get mad, and there is going to be some persecution, just like it was in the book of Acts. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said they're going to kill you, they're going to deliver you up. For my name's sake. Here's why. I could prove it to you, but I don't have time. Before Jesus comes back, there's going to be an end-time, worldwide, apostolic revival and harvest that is even greater than what you read about in the book of Acts. God is going to pour out his spirit in ways greater than what you see in the book of Acts. There's going to be miracles, signs, wonders, Holy Ghost being poured out, people being healed, all of that. And when that begins to happen... The devil and his spirit, his antichrist spirit that wars against the church, 
the world. They're not going to like it, and so they're going to retaliate. That's where the persecution comes in. But, and I, be, I believe as Lee Stone King said it this way, that persecution is the wrath of man. Everybody say man. Persecution is the wrath of man against the church. The church will experience persecution. Tribulation is the wrath of God poured out on the earth. So the church will experience the wrath of man, which is persecution. The church will not experience the wrath of God. Because he said you will not have to deal with wrath. We are not, uh, what's that scripture say? Not appointed unto wrath. Not appointed unto wrath. Not the wrath of God. So, if any of this didn't make sense, I will, I'll stay after and answer questions. I don't have all the answers, but I may have some. Let's stand. If you didn't get anything else out of this, you need to get that one thing. You need the Spirit of God. Regardless of when the rapture is, you need that spirit within you because he is coming back and you better be ready and waiting and looking for him. It said he's coming back for those who are looking for his return. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking for his return whenever it is. And I'm thankful that I'm a part of the bride of Christ and I'm going to go with him. Just like we sang about soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Let's just thank him for it tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. God, thank you for these precious people here tonight. I pray that you would bless each and every person, bless their homes, their marriages, their families, their jobs. Lord, I pray that you would use them for your glory in these last days. Equip them, God, to be your vessels. Lord, to use them as a witness, God, in whatever time we have left so that you would receive glory and honor, so that your will would be done, that your kingdom would come, God, in the earth. Hallelujah, as it is in heaven. We give you the thanks and the praise for it. We love you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you. If you want to come pray, you can. If you're ready to be dismissed, you can do that. God bless you. Let's be ready for what he has for us. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.